I'm Rasa Kane. I'm talking with Dr. Basil Yersician. He is a bariatric surgeon at Deborah Heart and Lung Center in Burlington County. And we are getting an update on the state of bariatric surgery and why Deborah, a heart and lung center, concerns itself with it. Bariatric surgery is uh, another term for weight loss surgery in kind of the common parlance. And essentially, uh, it involves some sort of an operation on the stomach or the stomach and the intestines in order to try to help a person lose weight. There's really three terms that we can use for the type of surgery that we're going to discuss here. There's bariatric surgery, there's weight loss surgery, and it's something called metabolic surgery. So all of these kind of get to the same final point, which is operations to either make our metabolism uh, more likely to help us lose weight or bariatric surgery, which is kind of the the more specific term for what it is that we do, or weight loss surgery if you want to make it very obvious to anybody who's hearing the the discussion topic uh, what it is. You know, I'm trying to lose weight, so I use weight loss surgery. The more strict definition of who can have the surgery based on guidelines is a person that has a BMI or a body mass index of 35 or greater with a medical comorbidity, things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, diabetes, or a BMI of 40 or greater regardless of their comorbidities. We'll get into some of that comorbidity and the medical impacts of this, but you said there are different procedures on the intestine or the stomach, so break those down for us. Well, there's really um, four main procedures that are on the market, one of which we don't really do within our practice. That's the lap band or the laparoscopic adjustable gastric band. And then as I name these operations, it'll be kind of like I'm going up a ladder. The more aggressive the operations get and the more medical problems they may help reduce. So the first one was the lap band or the laparoscopic adjustable gastric band. The second one would be the sleeve gastrectomy, which is the most commonly performed bariatric surgery in the United States at this time. Um, And that basically is uh, performed by taking a portion of the stomach and removing it and leaving a sleeve-shaped stomach behind, so therefore the name sleeve gastrectomy. The third operation would be the gastric bypass. That was the previous gold standard or the previous king of the hill, if you will, as far as the one that was done the most in the United States. And uh, that one constitutes uh, making a small pouch out of the first portion of the stomach about the size of an egg and then dividing the bowel downstream, and then rerouting it so that food hits the pouch, goes through a length of the intestine before it starts hitting the digestive juices at a later time point. And so we become less efficient or or less effective at being able to take calories and vitamins and minerals out of the food we eat. So uh, that's one of the problems that can be with the gastric bypass. So you become less efficient digesting machine. And then the duodenal switch is the fourth operation, and that constitutes a sleeve gastrectomy at the top, and essentially a gastric bypass or a, or a bypassed section of bowel at the bottom. And it's the most robust weight loss operation that we have. And it has the best chance of getting rid of the medical problems that you can have. So what goes into your thinking in terms of which procedure a patient will undergo? Every patient who walks in the office is like Cinderella. We've got to find the right glass slipper for that person. So the proper operation given their set of circumstances. So a patient who has diabetes, for instance, may need a more aggressive operation or an operation that's more likely to cause remission or uh, curing of their diabetes. Things like the gastric bypass and the duodenal switch have a better track record against a disease process like that. The other thing that we take into account is their weight. The more weight you have to lose or the more you are over your ideal body weight, 
the more uh, likely we are to recommend one of the more aggressive operations. Those two items, as well as the patient's personal preference. Um, we're not here to try to push an operation on somebody that's not ready for or doesn't feel like they can cope with some of the potential side effects of the operations. So we kind of take all of those factors into account whenever we try to make that decision. Sometimes we do bariatric surgery for metabolic reasons or for disease processes. Diabetes is probably the biggest or the best example of that phenomenon. We know that even in a BMI below 35, which is the cutoff according to the NIH guidelines, those patients will benefit and they will likely get rid of their diabetes. So in a lot of cases, we're still trying to struggle with the fact that we know these diseases can be cured by these operations, i.e. metabolic surgery rather than just weight loss surgery. And it, it really is limiting some of the people's access to what could be a life-saving operation by having these NIH guidelines that are, that are arbitrarily set at BMI of 35 or 40 or whatever the number uh, is that day for that person. Um, so much so that international societies where people of lower BMI have disease processes that happen at a lower BMI point, people of Asian descent, people of Indian descent, American Indians, um, African Americans, those folks are uh, more likely to have disease processes start at lower BMI, uh, like a BMI of 33 but you have diabetes or you have very high cholesterol or you're, or you're kind of going down the wrong path, we know that those operations can help them. And so sometimes, unbeknownst to the bariatric surgeon, the patient might go home and gain weight in order to be able to have surgery, which seems counterintuitive. Uh, but there is an undercurrent. Uh, CMS is working with the diabetes doctor, the endocrinologists, and the bariatric surgeons to um, try to rectify that situation and to expand the um, definition of who would be a candidate for bariatric surgery. This becomes a significant change to one's lifestyle. Certainly, you have to be prepared to eat, live differently. But also, I guess the effect of having the surgery is it's going to impose it on you. If you don't have the room to eat, you're not going to eat as much. The whole crux of the problem is is likely overeating or not burning enough calories, whether it be through exercise. So if you take in more calories than you burn, then the mathematical equation adds calories to your body. And if your metabolism is slow on top of it and you have medical problems that stop you from being active, then there's a chance that you're going to gain weight. So what we do is to try to reverse that process. We try to do it through trying to teach you new good habits, whether it's the types of foods you eat or the amount of exercise that you get, or we try to mandate it through making the stomach smaller or making you less likely to be able to absorb certain amount of calories. But none of those things are foolproof. So it's important that you change your habits and your lifestyle while it's relatively easy after the early part of the surgery. If you let your body continue down the line after surgery, or you don't work to try to change the habits, then you may not do as well with the weight loss surgery long term. What I like to say is the having surgery part's easy. The hard part's changing the habits that got you here. And that's, I think that's true cr uh, across the board on any of the operations. Talk about how these operations actually work then, the metabolic processes that are affected and, and change after you've gone in there. So I need to give you, I'm going to give you a master series in bariatrics right now. So the way they work in general, the band works merely by trying to slow how much you can eat by making you feel full sooner based on having a small item of restriction in the middle, in the top of the stomach. So it just tries to slow you down. The sleeve does work on the slowdown method as well, but it also, um, removing the portion of the stomach that we remove, that portion of the stomach is responsible for making a hormone called ghrelin. 
and that ghrelin is the big Mac attack hormone. It's the hormone that causes your hunger drive. So that, that hormone is usually lower after you've had a sleeve gastrectomy. Plus, you have a smaller stomach. Your stomach used to be 32 ounces-ish or av- on average, and we take it down to about 10 ounces on average. So we go from uh, you know, the size of a soda bottle down to the size of a soda can. So we get, we get a, a significant difference in just the mere capacity of the stomach. So you don't think about food as often, and when you do eat, you can't eat as much, and so you lose weight. Uh, the third, the gastric bypass, we also have... Uh, an effect on the ghrelin levels, so we don't think about food as often. We also have a smaller pouch stomach. It's about the size of an egg. But also, we've created a situation where we're malabsorptive, so we don't actually get all of the calories out of the food we eat because the food travels down the system further before it gets digested. And so we become a less efficient digesting machine, and so as a result, we're able to lose weight and lose calories. And finally, in the duodenal switch, it's, it's a combination of some of those factors. So we have a smaller stomach because we've made a sleeve. We get rid of the ghrelin effect. So our stomach is now only about 10, 12 ounces. And then we have a bypassed section of intestine below. So then the food travels a distance before it's actually uh, mixed with the digestive juices and properly digested. And so you get kind of the, the effect of all of those things on, in the case of a duodenal switch kind of like a multi-pronged attack on an obesity issue. Okay, so why has Deborah, a heart and lung center, concerned itself and branched out into bariatrics? Well, I mean, this is where we can really get into the conversation about the comorbidities or the other diseases that come from being overweight. So overweightedness can predispose us to heart disease, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, diabetes, problems with our pancreas, problems with certain types of cancers. Uh, We can have problems with infertility. So basically, obesity can affect every organ system in the body. Obviously, Deborah Heart and Lung indicates that heart and lung procedures are performed at Deborah, and heart and lung are primarily affected organs when we're overweight and have some of these disease processes that I just mentioned. So the uh, reversal of morbid obesity can also lead to the reversal of those disease disease processes and help our overall heart and lung health in the long run. Diabetes, bariatric surgery can actually resolve diabetes. Yeah, and it can do it in a relatively dramatic fashion. So we have patients who will have diabetes for years and years and be uh, taking insulin or taking multiple medications for their diabetes by mouth, and uh, they'll have the bypass or the duodenal switch, and they'll go home from the hospital off of those medications. And it has to do with some of the hormonal changes that happen immediately after the operation. And the, I mean, these, these changes happen before a patient loses a single pound. It happens while they're in the hospital in, in a great many of cases. We learned from a study in the Western U.S. that weight loss surgery could help some severely obese people reduce their risk for cancer by at least 33%, especially women. What types of cancer are associated with obesity? Breast cancer, colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, uh, I think endometrial cancer, uh, ovarian cancer, esophageal cancer, uh, the list goes on, uh, gallbladder cancer, liver cancer. So the list is very long and distinguished. This study, although it is a relatively new study, doesn't really tell us a new piece of information. We know that losing weight and getting rid of medical comorbidities reduces our risk of cancer. This study is an awesome study, but it it really starts to really more solidify what we already believe we know, and now we can really know that, that this is true. Okay, on the social side, new study from Sweden 
that says bariatric surgery can impact your relationship status, that individuals have a higher probability of getting married, also of separating or getting divorced after bariatric surgery. Have you seen this? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's an interesting social dynamic. So obviously you lose weight, you look better in the mirror perhaps, and maybe you look better to the opposite sex or the same sex, whichever you, whichever you prefer. Um, and so your prospects may become better. Also, as your prospects may become better in that same vein, it may cause some issues with marriages potentially as far as the person who had the bariatric surgery may be more likely to test the waters, if you will. So that may cause a divorce. And then the same may be true for somebody who's single and they may get married because they can, you know, have more prospects. So that's kind of how it works. <laughs> well, so you have more more confidence. So either you're getting out more or you have the confidence to leave an unhealthy relationship. So in any case, anecdotally, though, you're saying you've seen this. hundred uh, percent. It's, it's not necessarily something that I'm proud of, but but yeah, I've seen husbands and wives come together and then they go their separate ways after they've both had surgery. I've seen women be able to women and men be able to find uh, the love of their lives in the same process and not somebody who was married before but, you know, a single person. I've seen women who weren't able to have children have children. It's a, I've seen men who were not able to they were impotent because of their obesity be able to to father children. So it it can be a pretty amazing operation, actually, and with those types of outcomes. Life-changing on a lot of levels. Okay, and then there's this research from University of Michigan that patients who undergo bariatric surgery have a higher risk of opioid addiction compared with patients who undergo other elective surgeries. This seems like a real clickbaity kind of headline. What do you take from that research? I think it's it's important to know that, that the bariatric population or the post-bariatric surgery population may have a higher uh, risk of addictive behaviors, whether it's opioid use, whether it's alcohol use. And because of that, we need to be more diligent and vigilant about how we prescribe medications to these pe- people, the kind of counseling that we give them as far as, um, you know, t- to try to help stay away from uh, having those problems. We know the operation is helpful. We know we can lose weight. We know we can get rid of comorbidities. We know that we can look better in the mirror and be able to buy skinny jeans. We know all these things. But we also can't wield that power without understanding that there are some consequences to those actions. And uh, when we can identify studies like this that help us start to look at people and say, you know, I got to really watch out for this potential side effect, uh, it helps us kind of hone our, our, our craft a little bit more so that we don't give prolonged opioids to patients who are post-bariatric surgery. Um, we don't promote those types of uh, those types of habits, but also uh, within the hospitals, we we work on pathways where the patients don't even receive a lot of narcotics. We've tried to start going to narcotic alternatives for pain management in the perioperative period because we're acutely aware of this problem. We use Tylenol and Toradol, and we use nerve blocks. Uh, we use um, other alternative pain regimens to try to keep the patient off of narcotics. So bariatric surgery overall, though, how safe is it? I would say exceedingly safe. Uh, the, uh, there's a New, New England Journal of Medicine article that came back out in, I think, 2009 that, that talked about bariatric surgery on a more of a global scale. And we looked at large databases in the United States. Um, the, the mortality rate or the chance of dying within 30 days after surgery is 0.3%. So it's very low. And then uh, the chances of, a, of an actual complication, whether it be a blood clot or a pneumonia or an infection or a hernia or something that happens after the surgery is on the order of only 4%. 
this puts this in the echelon of operations that are done frequently in the U.S. and that are very safe, things like gallbladder surgery. Basically, your risk is the same as having gallbladder surgery, which is the most common surgery we do in the U.S. So how long is the recovery after surgery? And again, I, I guess that gets into some of the, the pain management for post-op. It depends on what you mean by recovery. So as far as how long you're in the hospital, it's usually about a day in the hospital. You go home the next day around lunchtime. You're usually pain-free within the first two to three days because we do most of these operations laparoscopically with the small incisions. Now, if you've had a big open operation or if you've had a large revisional operation, that may skew that discussion point. The, The following recovery item is getting back to a regular diet. That's probably the thing that takes close to the longest time. So, you know, you're on a liquid diet for one week, then you do protein shakes for a week, then you do, you know, soft foods and, and then uh, regular foods but small portions. You try to stay away from things like bread, rice, and pasta, chunks of red meat. Those things can be more difficult to digest. It may take five or six weeks before you're really back to eating like what your new normal is going to be. But then the other recovery item is can you change the habits that got you here. Most people are able to recover and some people don't because they don't change their habits. So that's another point where we have to really focus on on these patients and understand the kind of their tendencies and understand that there was a habit that got them here and changing habits are one of the hardest things we have to do and so we have to offer them support ongoing after the surgery to try to recover from the very disease process that brought them to us in the first place. Now, that very restrictive diet, necessarily after you have a procedure like this, does that also serve to, to jumpstart that weight loss, too? Uh, yeah, I mean, that uh, that is a benefit of doing liquids and then protein shakes and then soft foods. Um, so, you know, it looks good on paper, but really the, the, the key to long-term success is changing the habits, and that's the hard part. What kind of follow-up and, I mean, the, the experience for the patient, this whole kind of training that you do, preparing them for it, you know, getting them sort of in the mindset even before the surgery and then the surgery and then that recovery period, what's the time frame and the experience for the patient? How often they're coming to see you? How do you handle all of that here at Deborah? So, I mean, there's the initial consultation, and then there'll be a series of um, preoperative clearances, including a clearance with a nutritionist, so that the nutritionist will see them once a month, usually, and that's that process is predetermined by the insurance, how many times they have to meet with the, the nutritionist before they go to surgery. Then they have their surgery, and then they will follow up usually one week, one month, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months, and 24 months after surgery, and then yearly thereafter. So we're really creating lifelong relationships with our patients. And then if the patients move, then we help them find a bariatric surgeon wherever they're going. Because again, the long-term success is determined by changing those habits that got them there in the first place. We're making it easier to have good results by changing those habits, and we're making the feedback loop a positive one rather than what can be a negative one in up-and-down yo-yo dieting. But ultimately, these patients often need you know, support going forward. To consider it a success, there are a lot of touch points, a lot of boxes to check off before you can say, yes, the procedure was successful. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways of defining success. You can define it by the scale, like how much weight have I lost? Have I lost at least 50% of what I was overweight? That was That is one method of saying, hey, that operation was successful. You can also check the medicine cabinet as a def- definition of success. I mean, how many pills are in there and how many pills have been replaced by vitamins now instead of taking, 
you know, the insulins and the blood pressure medications and the cholesterol medications. So there's that level of success. And then there's also just the way that that person eats their diet. And that's another way of looking at success is have they made the appropriate change in their habits uh, to, to define the success. So there's different ways of doing that. Is it possible to lose too much weight after bariatric surgery? Uh, yeah, it's possible. Not usually a problem where somebody loses too much weight. Oftentimes, our body has kind of a kind of a point where it stops. You know, where we say where body where it says, "Nope, I'm I'm at my new thermostat step point." And then there are some people that believe that that's kind of the case. Usually, if somebody loses too much weight, it's due to improper habits. They're eating food with a drug or a, or an alcohol or something. Or perhaps they're too malabsorptive after one of their surgeries, whether it be the gastric bypass or the duodenal switch, or they've had some complication from their, op- from their operation. Um, in those cases, we do have options to either reverse the operation or to try to make it more optimal for that patient to regain weight or get back to a healthy body weight. I think the, the take-home message is that it's really about changing your habits and creating a lifelong plan for how you're going to go forward. It's not a it's not a set it and forget it. It's not go have surgery and then buy skinny jeans. It's not like it's not like that short of a line. Um, it's surgery's not the hardest part. The surgery's when done by somebody who does it a lot is very safe and it's uh, very effective. And uh, oftentimes it's kind of the easiest part of the process. And I'm not saying it's always, but oftentimes it is. I mean the benefits are undeniable and uh, to the point where. The uh, the diabetes associations around the world are are even uh, suggesting it as perhaps a a, uh, a first line treatment option for diabetes, which is a huge change in the medicine world as well. It's something to be considered and not to be feared. Getting to the point where you think or you consider surgery usually is a process in someone's mind. It's not just like you, you wake up one morning and you say, ah, I don't like my weight. I'm going to go have surgery. You, you have to arrive at that process by going through the throes of um, yo-yo dieting and exercise that's um, met with middling response. And we know that uh, diet and exercise alone can maintain weight loss long term, only about 5% or less of the time. So in other words, if I lose 20 pounds with either diet or exercise, in five years, I have a 95% chance of having regained or gained the weight plus in that timeline. Whereas in bariatric surgery, it's almost the exact inverse of those statistics. We have a 70 to 80% chance of having maintained that weight loss, maintain those medical problems going away, and buying back years of our lives. So I, if it takes the quote-unquote easy way out to get years more on your life, so be it. So anybody wants to learn more about all these options that we've discussed, and how bariatric surgery could change their life here at Deborah. How do they get in touch with you, doctor? We can be found on the Deborah website, which is demanddeborah.org. Look us up and, and give us a call, and we'll see if the surgery is right for you.